This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, the podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coglin and Martin Carlino as we have a jam-packed episode of the podcast. we got a lot to talk about, a lot of uh, good news to talk about, but before we get into that, uh, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they, you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple iTunes. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Android, whatever. We are there, so make sure you give us a listen. Give us a nice little uh, subscribe, a nice little note as well. Helps us get to more people as possible, so we can uh, spread this out as much as possible beyond uh, the great listeners that we already have. Um, So like I said, we got a jam-packed episode for this week because uh, we're recording this on Wednesday evening, uh, the 27th, after the IHSA announced what it's planning to do. Um, for the rest of the school year, which uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of details into this, which is why we're primarily going to focus on this for this episode. So um, I actually don't know if this has ever been done in podcast history, but we're not doing a quarter, a half, or a period. We're just uh, straight shooting it. I know this is uh, crazy for you long-time, long-time listeners of the podcast, but uh, we're excited to see where this takes us. Um, but, Late night uh, pod, so gonna, you know, anything happens, anything goes, no rules. <laughs> so we're uh, why don't we just start things off by getting everyone up to date on as to what uh, the latest information is. So the IHSA uh, board announced a new sports schedule for the remainder of the 2020-2021 uh, school year, uh, basically 2021 until May. Um but a majority of it was just telling us when these sports are going to be playing. So um, I got the chart in front of me right now. So why don't I just tell you guys, uh, boys and girls basketball, boys swimming and diving, dance, cheerleading, boys, girls, bowling, girls, gymnastics, and badminton can all start practicing as soon as possible. Um, Boys soccer will start on March 1st. Football will start on March 3rd with the first game being on March 19th. Girls volleyball will start on March 8th. Boys gymnastics would start on March 15th, as well as boys and girls water polo, baseball, boys and girls lacrosse, girls soccer, softball, boys tennis, boys and girls track and field, and boys volleyball all will start on April 5th, and wrestling will start on April 19th. Um, For all the winter sports that I announced at the end, their end date will be March 13th. Badminton will end on April 3rd. Uh, Boys soccer will end on April 17th. Football ends on April 24th, as well as girls volleyball. Boys gymnastics ends on May 22nd. Uh, Boys and girls water polo ends on May 29th. And baseball, both lacrosse, soccer, softball, tennis, boys tennis, both track and fields, and boys volleyball ends on June 19th. And wrestling will end on June 12th. There will be no state series for either basketball or the swimming, dance, and cheerleading will have virtual. 
uh, bowling and girls gymnastics will not have one. Badminton is TBD. Boys soccer, football, and girls volleyball will not have a state series. Uh, wrestling will also not have a state series. And then the rest of the sports uh, will be TBD as to see as to what um, the state series will be. Um, obviously, all of this is determined upon how your region is doing. You can't, if we talked about a little bit this in, la in last week's episode, but you have to be at the right tier or the right phase in order to be competing. And um, I know we'll hit on that a little bit later on as to where uh, our area is right now, because as of right now, we wouldn't be playing boys or girls basketball or we wouldn't be playing football right now. But um, guys, why don't I just get you guys in here just to get your initial thoughts about the announcement that's made and what you guys initially think about uh, what what we're going to be doing here for the rest of the school year. Yeah, game on. Here we go. Um, this is the news we've been waiting for for quite some time. And, you know, it's it's important to stress that even though we're all uh, very excited and very optimistic that, as we've mentioned several times before, that the, uh, the, the flight of the virus is going to determine how we move forward. But definitely a, a very encouraging and uh, optimistic day, to say the least. Uh, from my perspective, I think the big takeaway is that we just get a, a chance for all sports. I know that's what athletes and coaches are looking for um, at this time. They're just simply looking for the chance. So the schedule's in place now. We, we see what the roadmap is going to look like. Um, another encouraging note uh, um, from my perspective is that a lot of these spring sports are going to get, hopefully I should say, are going to get resemblances of what a regular season might be in a normal, in a quote unquote normal year. So these sports that lost their entire season last year are going to have a little bit of an extended period to compete um, tentatively as compared to, to some of the other sports we got news today. So pretty encouraging. And for, for all the grief we've given the IH, IHSA so far on this podcast, I think uh, I almost want to say we got to give them a pat on the back for this today because it feels like pretty good news. It feels like they did a decent job juggling um, the interests of all the parties that go into this and, and trying to come up with something that at least is fair to everyone involved. And I think in the very least, this is, this is a pretty fair outcome to, to say the least. Yeah. And, and Marty, you use the phrase flight of the virus, which is like the second time I heard you say that. And it's great. And I think you should keep using it. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I heard that, but um, you know, some takeaways right away, guys, is, is that every sport is in here. And I think that's just so key. Um, everyone that remains um, obviously you're not going to see um, field hockey or regular hockey. Those are non IHSA sports. So if people are wondering if they don't see those, that's why you got to check with your, um, you're kind of governing club organizations there, but every sport gets a season and yeah, it's shorter for some winter sports and, and maybe some of those transplant sports like volleyball and, and soccer, boy soccer. But um, I think it's important that, you know, every sport has a chance to get on the field from a, um, a social standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, from a do what you love standpoint. It's so important. So I thought that was great. Um, I thought, you know, with all these variables flying around, they could have easily found a avenue to say, okay, it's easier to cancel X, you know, and that a lot of people thought that could have been basketball, you know, it's easier to cancel it. And I thought that was a, would have been a reasonable, not, we wouldn't have enjoyed it, but it would have been a reasonable outcome. So uh, very happy about that. Some other things, Marty mentioned that, that the spring sports, um, the traditional spring sports have a longer season because um, they were erased last year. Uh, I think that was a, 
a smart decision. I think everyone understands that. I talked to the Loyola baseball coach, Chris Ackles, who said um, he's just really happy. Everybody's on the same, everybody has a schedule and he was part of a program that had to be canceled and he wouldn't wish it on anybody else. So um, I thought those were pretty poignant words from, from coach Ackles. Um, but uh, we're going to have football March 13th, if everything goes our way in terms of the virus um, and it's spread and the flight of the virus. Um, and we're going to have basketball. I think, you know, Marty said, you know, the virus dictates everything, you know, but what we've seen is we, well, we saw 18 straight days of positivity rate going down in the region 10 in suburban Cook County, the region of Nutria township. Then we saw one day where it ticked up. That was the 23rd by 0.1%, kind of a setback, but now it's back down again to 6.9. So that's where we sit. We need to get under 6.5 percent positivity to go Nutria township's been under that rate for a couple weeks now but the whole region does which includes all the way down to south of chicago west of chicago the near west suburbs um so it's a huge region but that's that's the way it goes i don't know how you do it any better than that so it's very difficult but um hopefully we get there soon and basketball can start up and we're sitting the bleachers boys pretty soon um speaking of bleachers i could watch there's so many nuances to this just some ancillary things 50 fans um, 50 people in the crowd, I guess you could say, um, to cheer on these games. That does not include press, by the way, guys. So um, we're, we're going to have to work around some things, and hopefully um, the uh, Illinois uh, State and IHSA figure something out to get us press indoors and help promote and, um, and uh, kind of pass the news of these sports along. But um, it's really encouraging. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, and um, we talked to some coaches that are excited too. Logistical nightmare ahead of that for them, but um, here we go. Now, does that yeah, 50, 50 number include the teams as well, or is that strictly limited to fans? That's fans. Okay. It doesn't include the teams or the refs, or I don't believe it includes um, the game personnel like the scorekeepers either. Okay. Fans and press. So that seems like a pretty reasonable compromise as well. So, Joey, you mentioned that you uh, talked to some coaches and that kind of stuff. And what, what was their reaction as to uh, what the news was? Is this kind of what they were looking for? Or what was just how excited were they and what were they looking forward to uh, after this announcement? Yeah, so um, you guys know we cover in Nutrier and Loyola Academy and um, Regina, North Shore Country Day, basically the township high schools. And uh, I was able to get um, talk to Brian Dalt, the Nutrier football coach, Jeremy Schoenecker, who, who's a coach and a, um, in the athletic office at Loyola, and Chris Ackles, the baseball coach. And basically the overall theme was like, okay, that's basically as good as we can get. Like, we didn't expect more. It could have been less. So this is, this is really solid that all these schools are. And I think they're probably internally juggling some emotions about, I wish we could have a longer season or I wish I could have the postseason. But – every they got to be happy for their seniors and they all said that that they get to get back out there with with their um with their teammates um all the coaches said that especially you know Schoenecker said uh, the Loyola basketball coach that they have nine seniors on the club and basketball was probably I think you know I don't think it's going on a limb saying it was probably the most at risk um just by timetables and everything so them getting a season in which they can play for about six weeks that might get them according to him about 15 games he hopes uh, I think that's a pretty decent sized season. Now he, you know, he, he mentioned he has a pretty good squad this year. So I think um, they have hopes of going pretty far, but 
you know, th there were going to be compromises. So he's just really happy they get to be out there. Um, I think Dole was happy he can start game planning and, and figuring out facilities over there with the athletic office too. Um, overall, I think they're really happy and uh, just thrilled for their student athletes. I think that was kind of the, lean, the theme they wanted to stick with. And for the sake of yeah. football right now, just for our listeners out there, we're currently looking at the maximum of a, of a six game schedule. So originally when the idea to, to bump football to the spring season was floated, we had sort of heard, heard a proposal for seven games, but we've fallen right now to a maximum of six games. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that includes no postseason there as well. Right. Yeah, no formal postseason. You know, there's some rumblings, and these are rumblings, guys. Nothing confirmed, nothing even from our sources. These are other people's sources um, <laughs> that say maybe, you know, they schedule that six game with somebody in the area with like a, a rivalry game or something fun, something different, which would be great, but that's yet to be determined. This was just announced today. There's plenty to work out. Um, but hopefully they do a little something fun um, and original with that scheduling. So uh, why, why, since you mentioned football, why don't we like focus on football and just talk about what we think the football season is going to look like. So like you mentioned, Marty, six games. Um, I know that floating around maybe like a bowl type game or something like that against your rival or whatever. But so we know that the season, they start practicing on um, the third and then the first game is on March 19th. They go into the 24th. There's no state champion this year because obviously no, no playoffs. I mean, Initial thoughts on what you guys think the football season is going to look at. One thing that I'm kind of curious about is um, for a team like Nutria, it makes sense. All of their teams are going to be within the regions in the conference. Um, and one thing that I'm interested about for Loyola is Loyola's conference teams. There are some teams that are in the city, like, yeah, Mount Carmel and that kind of stuff. I know the Catholic League has been changing a lot lately, so it's hard to keep track of which one, uh, what blue division uh, Loyola is usually in. But um, it'll be interesting to see what Loyola's schedule is for the upcoming season, considering that Loyola will need to stay within its region, if I understand the rules correctly. Loyola, you can switch regions. According to the IHSA, this is what Craig Anderson said in the press conference after the release. You can switch regions if the, the other region is in the same mitigation tier. So, and Can you also play outside of your conference, Joe, or it's got to be in your conference? I think I, mm, that's a great question. I, I believe it can be outside of conference too, um, because what you're going to get um, is maybe a team in, in a certain region uh, can't play too many conference games. So they're going to have to go outside the conference um, for football. I know definitely for other sports, you can get non-conference. Basketball is going to be scheduling a lot of non-conference. But as you mentioned, Michael, you know, just looking at Loyola, Providence Catholic is south of the city. That's in region seven. You look at Montini, Oh, no, they're on the same conference anymore, but there's, there's yeah. some Western suburbs. And I know we had originally seen a preliminary schedule from, I believe it was Mount Carmel that had like a week two or three game against Loyola. So obviously that has changed since, but they released that tentative schedule, I think not even just a couple weeks that. ago. Yeah. And obviously with Mount Carmel being in the city, that's region nine versus region 10. So could potentially be some, some conflicts there, but that's obviously, as we've talked about, logistical stuff that we're, we're going to have to work through as we move forward. And maybe it's, it's, it could be just um, hopeful thinking. Um, but in my head that already kind of leads to a Nutria Loyola regular season battle. Um, I mean, you, you, you're leading, you're, exactly, figure. you're leading exactly where I'm going. I mean, you kind of almost can map it out right now. You get the five 
teams in the CSL South um, for your first five games and you end the season with a, a certain team that wears maroon and gold. And that, that sounds like a season to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that could be, I mean, and you could get that in, in multiple sports too. You might get a couple of Trier Loyola basketball games in just a, a 14 game schedule because it just makes the most sense. Week one, we kick it off a little Nutria Evanston. See you there. <laughs> so Loyola will be really interesting because obviously they moved around. So their, their current uh, CCL, ESCC Blue Conference standings or conference, their, their division is there with Brother Rice, Marist, and Mount Carmel. Obviously all Chicago teams. So they're all essentially in the same division as a Chicago team. So essentially Chicago, the, obviously the Chicago region and the suburban Cook County are two different regions. So those regions would need to be the same in order for those teams to play against each other. And if not, then it's, I, I agree with you guys. I think Loyola essentially just has to schedule teams like Nutrier and maybe even GBS or main, maybe we'll see a main South game and that kind of stuff. But you figure Oof, maybe that those, those, uh, those conference games won't really be happening if the regions aren't really matching up at this point. Yeah, I think it's going to be, it's look, it's going to be a work in progress. And, and, you know, I feel for these guys in the athletic office, both the ADs and their, their associate ADs and, and everybody in that office that has to schedule these. I know Schoenecker does a lot of it at Loyola and Jim Burnside does a lot of it in Trier. So, Hey, we're thinking about you fellas, but um, there's going to be, maybe there's going to be cancellations, maybe the week of, maybe the day of, but I think everyone knows what, what ship they're on. Um, it's going to be a rocky waters, but they get to sail, right? That was just a terrible metaphor. And I kept going with it, <laughs> <laughs> but they, but they get to go, they get to play. So it's a good thing. One of the uh, other interesting things that I kind of saw from the press release is, um, how you're going to move from one sport to another. So for all these sports, uh, you need to have seven practice days before you can start playing. So for like uh, boys swimming, dance, cheerleading, boys, girls, bowling, girls, gymnastics, and badminton right now, the sports that can start right away since they're all lower risk sports and following the right protocols, they can all start a season as soon as they get their seven practice dates. And now I know obviously um, you need to figure out a schedule and all that kind of stuff, but um, that would be really interesting to see. But other interesting thought things that I saw from the press conference is um, if student athletes want to transition from like basketball or boys swimming and diving into football, they'll need to participate and practice on 10 different days prior to the first contest. Winter sports can begin as early as today. So basically, if you want to go from one sport to another, you need to be competing in 10 practices before you can jump onto the sport. And um, obviously I, I don't think football and basketball really uh, coincide with each other, but I mean, if you look at the schedule right now or for what they're planning, I mean, you have uh, baseball and football kind of going at the, you have them going at the same time. Um, you have a lot of sports interlocking. And the, what I'm really interested to see is, what are team numbers going to look like when you have kids who aren't double dipping or triple dipping in sports? Um, I know probably for Nutria and Loyola, that probably might not be as big of a problem, but around the state where you have smaller schools, how is that going to play a factor where are there going to be some schools where you have like a limited amount of kids playing on a certain team? This is tricky. So I'm going to do my best to explain it right now. So a team can start a season after seven 
practices, as you mentioned, a team. Those are team practices. So, and by the way, for those low risk sports who could start a, when did they start? Last week, right? They've, yeah. already, they've already had at least three or, or more. So they're already well on their way to seven. So they can start maybe as soon as early next week if they find an opponent. Yeah. Um, and if we shift phases. Well, no, I'm talking about the lower risk ones that are already going. Okay. So they're already free to, to do inter-region competition um, like swimming and, and, you know, the low risk sports, badminton. Um, the, the restriction on practices between sports only relates to football, as Craig Anderson says. So, oh. And it, it relates to switching to football, not switching from football. So say a swimmer or a, um, a basketball player um, wants to go from that sport to football, he needs 10, he or she needs 10 practices um, in a football uniform, basically. Okay. But if you want to go from football to baseball, you could, you could have a football game in the morning or a football game Friday night and a doubleheader Saturday, like Martin talked about um, <laughs> pod, and that's fine. As long as the team has had seven practices, you can go from one to the other. They're just really concerned about football and they wanted to make sure they made that guideline. Otherwise it's kind of free and open to move between sports in the same uh, constricted timeline. Interesting. So, yeah, so that's, that's a good point and that's good to know um, what you need to do there. Uh, before we keep on going on with this episode, I'm going to be do a, a quick little shout out to our sponsor, the Illinois bone and joint Institute. And many locations in the Chicago area. So make sure you check them out. Move better, uh, live better. Um, another interesting thing that I saw from uh, this uh, press release um, is that everyone is going to have to wear masks uh, for the athletes other than football and uh, swimming and diving. And I think a couple of the routines for gymnastics, I think you won't have to wear uh, masks. But I feel like that was kind of what we expected. Um, heading in where you're going to have to watch, you're going to have these boys basketball players and that kind of stuff. What, um, just looking at it now, I'm kind of interested to see um, what is track and field going to be like for sprinting and that kind of stuff when you have a sprinting, like a 50 yard dash or whatever, and you have to wear a mask and how much that affects things. But um, obviously you guys, uh, you have to make some, you know, adjustments and that kind of stuff if you want to play. Um, and obviously you want to make safety a priority at this point. So, um, not really a surprise that the IHSA kind of mandated that you have to wear a mask unless you're uh, playing a couple of those sports. Yeah, and they weren't real. You, you mentioned a couple of, of the um, exceptions, Michael, and they weren't real clear on what in. So obviously gymnastics apparatus, swimming and diving, you don't have to wear a mask. And then the other exception was an outdoor sport where social distancing is possible and adhered to. That gives a little leeway, right? A little gray area. Is baseball it, yeah. feels baseball, feels like one where ball. Um, maybe 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 you have to wear one in the batter's box, and maybe you have to wear one at first base. Right, right. Track and field, not during sprints, but maybe be or you you'd wear it because you're near people during sprints, but you're not for the long jump. I think we we might need to get some clarification before those sports start up. But basketball is kind of the big one. That's an immediate, not concern, but an immediate. Uh, use of that rule is we're going to see those players with masks. Um, they did say during the press conference though, that there will be one minute mass break. I believe every quarter, every or, quarter or half, I think quarter. 
every quarter. Yeah, one minute mass break every quarter, uh, which is which is great to introduce. But I think it's going to be tough to get used to. Um, luckily, these kids are more in shape than we are, so I think they can handle it a little better. <laughs> um, so you you mentioned basketball. So what do you guys feel? Um, obviously, the numbers show you mentioned are going down, but they still need to be consistent at a certain level. Um, and basketball can start as soon as possible. So they essentially have until March 13th um, to get basketball going. And um, one of the big themes that we've talked about here is obviously this is all dependent upon how the virus is feeling, uh, how the virus is going to go and that kind of stuff, how the virus goes, we go. What do you guys expect out of a basketball season where, I mean, we still don't know when it could potentially start. There could be interruptions if there's like even a little blimp of it where you can go, go to phase four, if I understand correctly, and go back to tier one and you cannot have basketball. And I feel like going from phase four to tier one really isn't that big of a difference. Yeah. Joe had kind of floated the, uh, the 15 game number that, that he heard from um, the Loyola girls coach. I think maybe we're somewhere in the eight to 12 range is a little bit more real realistic, but you certainly think that if everything goes as planned and, um, we get no interruptions or tier shifts or phase changes, then potentially 15 games might be on the table, but it's, it's going to be a real quick turnaround here. We're already approaching the start of February and March 13th is that date is that cutoff date. So just barely over a month, if everything goes as planned. So I'm thinking maybe somewhere in the eight to, eight to 12 game range. Uh, but, uh, maybe, maybe I'm a little pessimistic on that, but maybe we get uh, a little bit more than, than that, but I, I'm sort of in that, uh, close to close to 10 ranges is, is the sweet spot for me. I'm thinking, I think that's, you know, that's, that's realistic, Marty. Um, I think that 15 that coach floated was, was more of up to 15. Like we're going to try to get, we're going to try to schedule 15, but there's a lot of variables that could come into play to wreck that um, plan. Um, in, you know, including COVID in other regions that they might play or on other teams possibly that might contract it. Um you know, or just quarantining, just a lot of things could kind of, could kind of screw with this. So um, I think 15 is, is very optimistic. And I, I think they're just going to think about scheduling 15 and hopefully, um, you know, if one's canceled, you just move on to the next game. Um, there's not going to really be time to reschedule as other teams are trying to do the same thing. So um, 15 includes basically three games a week, which is um, a hefty schedule for five straight weeks. You know, we sometimes see that tournament play or um, or uh, once once every month we'll see a three-week, um, three-game week. But, uh, yeah, to keep that sustained is going to be difficult. Um, going down to tier tier one from phase four, yeah, I think I think it's definitely a possibility in some regions. I We don't know what's going to happen with the virus. You know, is everyone going to react to the, you know, kind of be lax and more loose about all of our safety measures – because of the upcoming, you know, the vaccine rollout and um, all this good news that's coming up and the, the low numbers, are people going to relax? And then if they do, are the numbers going to spike? And then basically everything's suspended once again. Um, so I think if, if we get too relaxed, I think that's definitely a possibility. And I think coaches know that. And another, another point I want to mention sort of that while we're on the topic of basketball, I think can relate to basketball is that the IHSA stressed that the decision to play sports is up to local school districts now. So 
I, I mean, we can talk this through. I would love to hear your guys, your guys' thoughts on this as well. I feel like specifically in our coverage area, that might not be too much of an issue, but if we broaden it a little bit and consider CPS and, and some other um, districts in the state, potentially I think this could be an issue for basketball because a lot of these high schools have not even returned to in-person schooling yet. And I know that many administrators, many district officials have said before any sports can take place, we have to have students back in our building learning in person. I think, you know, another good example is uh, a high school like Oak Park River Forest. I know that I, I could be wrong, but I believe they do not have students attending class yet. And obviously a, a very big sports school that's um, not necessarily in our coverage area, but a lot of, but that some of our teams often play. So you think of schools, schools like that, the CPS schools, as I mentioned, where, you know, this, this might become an issue. And obviously, as I mentioned, I think student attendance has been student in-person attendance has been the number one priority before sports. So we'll see if, if that plays a, a role in all of this at all. Yeah, I would agree with you, Marty, because I, I feel like sometimes we might get lost and uh, forget that these high school uh, athletes are also students. I mean, they're going to school for a reason. I mean, they're obviously learning and that kind of stuff. And, and obviously going to school is a priority over playing a sport or that kind of stuff. So like you mentioned, Marty, I think it'll be interesting to look at what CPS does given everything that's going on right now and uh, the fight to see whether they're going to be uh, going back to uh, in-person uh, teaching and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I agree. I think um, well, it does seem like things are kind of figured out in our area for most of the part. Um, I would agree. I think it's really interesting to look at the other parts um, around the city, around the suburbs, maybe even um, in central and southern Illinois, just to look at what, um, just because you can play doesn't mean a lot of places are going to choose to play. And I agree, it, it will be a really interesting uh, aspect to look at just to see um just to see what school districts decide. I mean, just do school districts decide to play some sports, but not others? Like, how, what does the group think over there? So it'll be really interesting to see um, what different school districts decide to do during all this. Yeah, it was a great point to bring up, Marty. And, and I, think, um, I think I saw Michael Bryan with Sun-Times tweet about um, Thornton Fractional out there on the South Burbs, um, my, my neck of the woods. Uh, he talked to the AD over there, Ty Streets, um, who said, they're not even open. I mean, they're not even yeah. practicing anything. So there's, there's no way they're getting on a basketball court. You know, they're not even getting in classrooms. So um, I think there are a lot of schools like that. I think, um, you know, while it's great for schools in our area who, who want and the student athletes who want to get back on the court, their friends, there's a lot of schools in there who, who COVID affects uh, in the state that COVID affects more disproportionately. Um, and uh, it's not exactly, um, it hasn't exactly been an equitable distribution of the disease and um, the vaccinations and everything. So um, it's something to keep in mind that a lot of these schools aren't going to get to play no matter how much we set schedules and everything. So this wouldn't be a varsity podcast if I didn't ask you guys for uh, what your critiques are of what happened. I mean, obviously we're excited for uh, the return of sports and obviously excited for all the student athletes who are going to be able to get a chance, hopefully um, to get some semblance of a season, but um, what are you guys wanting more? Or like, what did you guys kind of wish the IHSA did differently? Or you guys aren't really happy with what the IHSA did um, with today's decision? I mean, I can't believe I'm about to I'm about to say this, but <laughs> <laughs> it feels like they they hit the barrel and they 
put a pretty sweet swing on the baseball for it to use a sports pun. It, it feels like a really good outcome to me. I'm not quite sure what they could have done differently. I know some critiques out there are questioning the overlap, but how could you avoid that? I don't really see how that could have been avoided or, or what could have been changed in that regard. Obviously in an ideal world, as we mentioned earlier, we would get a a playoff series or or a state tournament uh, or something along those lines, but we've got to be realistic here as we've talked about, and that's sort of a pipe dream. So we weren't really expecting that too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what I would change because I think this is a pretty solid plan given the circumstances. You know, yeah, looking at, looking at it in a vacuum today, I think it's the best possible news we could have got. I think, you know, Craig Anderson, the executive director at ISSA talked a little more about um, the state series and how that really is a pipe dream. Like Martin just said, you know, not only are financials holding the IHSA back, but, maybe more severely or more impactfully um, the state guidelines are holding back state series and, and, you know, meeting with other teams and, and in other places than your region. Um, so it was really very difficult to do, especially for school programs or seasons right now in a short, allotted, uh, short amount of time. So, but I do think um, while I'm glad they did it and I'm glad they got it out, I think it's a couple important things to note. I think this schedule is not, overly complicated when you look at it seasons start here they end here there's no like you know middle detail or anything and and if this need- happens that happens if yeah. this happens that I'm, happens yeah I'm, I'm not saying it needed to be but i think we could have released something like this a few weeks ago and yes when you do that you're you're subject to scrutiny you're subject to getting people's hopes up and everything like that but i think if they maybe released it and maybe i'm naive but maybe if they released it by saying if we're at this point. Here's what a season's going to look like. If we move to this tier, here's what a season's going to look like. Um, I think we could have done that a little earlier. And I, and I and my my opinion on that's a bit affirmed today because seeing all the joy uh, from all the student athletes and all the coaches to get going, I really feel like what would it have hurt to give them that joy a couple weeks ago? Hindsight being 2020, we are in a position to do that. Maybe there was a chance we we wouldn't have been and we would have gone. We would have regressed with COVID. And then we would have had to rip that away. But I don't know. I, I think we could have and kind of had the best of both worlds. But um, obviously, that's my opinion. And I'm not in a position. And if we're going to if we're going to bring in some overall criticism, I'd be happy to jump in there. I would have loved to seen this schedule with um, tennis, track and field, potentially even the volleyballs, softball, baseball. All those sports take place in the fall season. So then this schedule we're looking at today here on January 27th looks a lot smaller and a lot less complex, but as Joe said, hindsight's 2020. So that's a great point. That's like, we'll, we'll leave it at that. (laughs) That's the biggest wish of the year that we knew that in August, that was the low point. And if we rushed to get everything going by through October, you know, mid October, we would have been in great shape, but obviously know that now, but the other thing I wanted to point out was, no one knew that Governor Pritzker and the state were going to change the metrics. You know, three weeks ago, m- playing basketball and football had to be in tier one, which I'm not tier one. I'm sorry. Phase one, which was like, how do we even get there? No one even knew the, the disease had to be basically eradicated for us to get into phase one. So 
they had to move that to phase two. They also had to move um, lower sports being able to compete into, into tier two, I believe. Um, so all those things had to happen. We didn't expect them to happen. Um, so I think that was very key in this whole, this whole process. And that was almost like it came out of nowhere. Like it was announced via a tweet, via a tweet, wasn't it? From the governor's office. Yeah. Like it yep. just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Saying, cause, cause there was a metric, as we've talked about, there was a metric for specifically surgical beds that no region in the suburban area in Chicago could surpass. So they just canceled it. They just threw that metric out the window <laughs> and said they were adding, they were, the state would add staffing needs and help out with, with, uh, with hospitals in the area. So yeah, no one could have seen that coming. Joe, I feel like uh, you mentioned it earlier, but you are our uh, COVID numbers expert when it comes to the region and the area. So how, how does the area look? And I know you mentioned um, we can get a low risk sports going on and how, how do you feel like that'll look and how do you, long do you feel like it could possibly take for basketball to get back to the region as well? I mean, that's a great question. And I've been looking at the numbers for a while. Um, you know, the things to know, basically there are, there are three metrics that we need to move between tiers. It's the um, ICU beds, it's the decrease or it's the hospitalizations and it's the positivity rate for a long time, hospital, hospitalizations have been decreasing since November for the region. So we're talking over 100 days. So those have been great and not a problem. Um, the ICU beds have been above 20% for, I believe, over 20 days now, um, 26 days. And recently, they're at their high uh, at 24%. So we're, we're really strong there as well. Um, it's the positivity rate which has been falling, like I said, since the beginning of January, but it was at 10.4. So throwing some more numbers at you, it's dropping like a point every four to six days at the rate it's at, but we had a bit of a hiccup a couple days ago where we moved up a tick, uh, 0.1%, um, but then we're back down again to 6.9. So if we keep falling and the positive rate, which is a rolling average, so to basically take the past seven days, um, if, if we stay under 6.5, you know, um, day over day, then we're going to look at a couple days to put us under there because we're at 6.9 right now. So um, things go well over the, over the, because it's a little behind. So the, the most latest we have is January 24th, which is over the weekend. So if things go well these next two days, we could be looking at Monday, guys, that, that, that we're back in action and basketball can start practicing. But things have to go well and really – there's no other stat I can look at or I can find that kind of predicts positivity rate. Um, you know, a surge will shoot that up immediately. So hopefully we're doing pretty well here. It looks like we are. Yeah. And it did seem like we over the summer months demonstrated an ability to keep that positivity rate relatively low for a good amount of time. If I'm not mistaken, I think we were in the three to 5% range. I want to say for almost the entire summer. So Maybe there's some some hope there with the potential of uh, some maybe warmer weather coming in the next six weeks or so. So, if that's a if that's a potential uh, a sign of sign of uh, positivity coming ahead. Yeah, I think it's optimistic for sure. All right, guys. Any final thoughts before we uh, put uh, put this uh, book to bed? I'm ready to get in a gym. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Somebody hit, somebody hit Joe in the corner for a three. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna start warming up with uh, with the Ramblers when I'm out there. Show an extra, give me one. Um, but uh, no, I'm just I'm ready to cover these games. I, I, I'm excited. I do really want to play too. But more, I'm excited for these student athletes. Like some of these stories we we read, and, and Michael, you did a great job covering a mental health um, seminar discussion, I should say, um, at Loyola that started with one program. Um, the dance, competitive dance program and evolved into all the winter sports and all, all the school athletic department. And, you know, it's so important and it's so hard. For, I can't imagine uh, what these kids are going through to kind of have that ripped away. And, you know, day after day, they're supposed to be at practice, what they've been used to for years. Anyway, I could go on and on. So just really pleased that we have, we have something in place for them to look forward to. Um, and uh, if everything goes well, I always say that uh, at this point, I keep, keep catching myself, but I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to have a season here. Should be really fun. Uh, it will be good to uh, get back out there and uh, see some uh, happy coaches and players out there playing and competing. So uh, make sure you guys uh, go to the record to get all the latest stories. You guys you can find Joe's uh, story about the, uh, news today and some reaction from it. You can catch uh, Nick Frazier's story about former Loyola Academy hoop star Julia Martinez as she is uh, really shining at SLU right now, just as she did over here. And you can catch Marty's uh, story about uh, Regina's Laura Strank, who is uh, choosing to continue basketball um, and playing at Colorado College. You can find all those fun stories at the record northshore.org. And uh, you'll probably find all the great stories we have coming up now that sports are back. I'm sure there'll be more game recaps, features, and that kind of stuff. So make sure you guys are subscribing. Now is the best time to subscribe and get all that uh, access to all that sports coverage that you guys want. But um, it was a fun episode. No more uh, uh, yelling at the IHSA uh, for, for now, I guess, or we'll see how it goes next week. Uh, things can really change quickly around here. So uh, we'll see how things go, but it was a positive episode of the po of the varsity podcast. Thanks as always uh, for listening to you folks at home. Quick reminder that you guys can subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to them. Give us a nice little review helps boost us and make sure you spread the word as well. Thanks so much for joining us this week for Marty and Joe and I, we will talk to you guys down the road. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.